0: to say blessings to all the mothers my mother's not able to be here this morning she's up with my nieces who just lost their mother in august and she felt like she needed to be up there but if she's going to listen online i want to tell her happy mother's day and happy birthday her birthday is on mother's day it's a lot of times she'll be 89 she's 89 today She loves this church and loves being here. I'm here just to pray over Melody. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for every mother that's here, Lord, represented. I ask you, God, just to bless each one of them with abundant blessings, Lord, in their lives this week and this month. God, I just ask you, we know how important mothers are but even when you were on the cross you looked after your mother so it's very important to us god i ask you to bless melody cover her god i ask you lord to give her strength and to give her clarity of mind lord that she might speak what you've given her to speak this morning god we just give you honor and glory because you are worthy of it all in jesus precious name amen
1: you may be seated that is my husband of it will be 45 years in june yeah that's really quite something these days really and it hasn't always been easy but we made a commitment in the beginning that there was no out and so here we are the other day Lacey Lacey was suggesting that her dad and I build a house and I said "Um, your dad and I are not building a house and I would appreciate it if you don't suggest that again and she said why And I said, we have managed to stay married for 45 years and I'm concerned that building a house would be the thing that would take us out. So, hmm. we'll probably start building a house tomorrow. No, we are not. We are not. One year ago today at 5 a.m., I got a phone call that my sister was being taken to the hospital by ambulance because she could not breathe. She has advanced COPD. I was out of town, we were three hours away, but we jumped in the truck and got here as quickly as we could. She was put in ICU, and long story short, very quickly she was put on the vent. And they would lower the sedation once a day, and do a breathing trial to see if she could breathe on her own. And twice we literally watched her almost die during those breathing trials. And then her kids decided we couldn't, we didn't want to watch that anymore. And they asked that there be no more breathing trials. And the doctor said, well, if we stop the breathing trials, we have to take her off the vent because there is nothing else that we can do. And he told Misty, he said, if if we take her off the vent, she isn't going to make it. And he woke Debbie up and told her what Misty had requested. And he said, if we take you off the vent, it probably will not turn out good. And all she could do was nod and mouth, I'm ready. The second doctor who was in the hallway with me said, I do not expect her to last long at all when we take her off the vent. So they took her off the vent and we were sitting around her bed, um, just going to watch her until she just slowly went on to glory. And as we sat there in just a little bit, she sat up cross-legged in the bed. And I kept looking at her, and she kept looking better and better. And I really thought, this is one of those fluky things where they get better, and then, then they go. But I kept looking at her, and she kept looking better, and better. And then the nurses came in and the doctors came in and they were amazed. And long story short, she was sent home the next day. But before we left the hospital, every nurse, every doctor that had cared for her from the ER to all the other floors that we were on came by to see her. And every time they would say, I just had to come and see you because no one in this building expected you to leave here alive. And one nurse in particular said, you are a living miracle. Yes, and when she went back to see the doctor for a follow-up appointment, the doctor called another doctor in and said, this is the miracle lady that I told you about. I just wanted you to see her, because she should not be here. Yes. Yes, praise the Lord. She's still on oxygen and she still needs a complete healing, but she had a death sentence and God gave her life. And we are so thankful. Twenty-nine years ago today, we stood in the children's hospital in St. Louis. Our oldest daughter Brandy had been hit by a truck and Arivac to St. Louis. They were doing everything possible to save her, but it did not look good. And at one point, I sneaked away from everyone else, and I said, God, I have sang all my life. That's really all I've ever known to do is sing. But every note of music has been ripped out of me, and I will never be able to sing again. And I just continued to walk the halls, and all of a sudden, from somewhere down deep inside of my innermost being came a song, and I started singing, There's a Miracle in the Making. And three nurses walked by me at one point, and as they passed me, one nurse looked at the other, and she said, Do you have a, a radio in your pocket? She said, Nope but I knew it was not a radio. It was God restoring the music in my soul. After doing all they could and all the tests required, the doctors came in and with tears in their eyes, they told us that they had declared her brain dead. My parents drove Randy and I home. and We were in the back seat and I had laid my head over on Randy's lap and went to sleep. And when I woke up, I can't even begin to describe to you how my mind was. I just know I thought this is how you feel right before you lose your mind. And there was nothing, absolutely nothing I could do in that moment to help myself. But all of a sudden, I sat straight up. And out of my mouth with a strong voice came, Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then I sat back. And my mind then and until now was in perfect peace. Would I have preferred that Brandy be healed? Yes, absolutely. I asked God to heal her. When they told us there was, uh, they had to do the second uh, brain response test um, in three hours, I, um, I ran to a little waiting room, and I fell down in front of a chair, and I said, God, I know that you can heal Brandy. I know that one, one move of your finger, one touch from your hand, one word out of your mouth, and she can sit up and say, I'm hungry, let's go eat. And I know that you can because, and I reminded him of all the things he's done in the Bible. And I said, my, God, my will is that you, you heal her, but if that is not your will... I surrender my will to yours, and in that moment, my heart was healed. And did I grieve? Yes, but there was never a moment when in my heart and my mind, I did not have peace. I can stand here all day and tell you stories and stories and stories about how God has been faithful to me and to my family and how he has done impossible things, but There's lots of stories to tell. And so I'm going to ask you a question. It's a question that God asked Abraham in Genesis 18, 14. It's a yes or no question, and I want you to respond. Is anything too hard for God? There wasn't a very loud response. Let's do it again. Is anything too hard for God? That is correct. Matthew nineteen twenty six says that there are some things that are impossible for man, but with God, all things are possible. And that has not changed. God still does impossible things today. And today, from the beginning of the service until now, you have heard stories from people who have witnessed God doing impossible things in their lives. And the people you heard from are regular people. And by that, I mean they're God's people and they're godly people, but they are not super spiritual, walking around in a state of perfection kind of people. They're just regular people like the rest of us, dealing with the frailties of humanity while on a journey of faith in God. And I would just like to ask, are there any regular people in the house who has witnessed God doing impossible things in your life? If you have, will you please stand? Praise the Lord, can we just take a minute and praise the Lord for all the wonderful, miraculous, impossible things he has done. He is still a God of impossibilities. He is still faithful to his people. Bless his holy name, glory, glory. Bless your name, Jesus, hallelujah, glory. Oh, bless your name. You can be seated. God still does impossible things. He does impossible things in and for regular people just like us. And much like Abraham and Sarah in the book of Genesis. And we're going to take a really quick glimpse of their story. <clears throat> if anyone dealt with the frailties of humanity, it was Abraham and Sarah. But on the same token, if anyone witnessed God doing impossible things, it was Abraham and Sarah. Because in Genesis 12, Abraham is 75 years old and Sarah is 65. And at this time, Sarah had been unable to have children. And God said, Abraham, I want you to leave your home, leave your land, leave your relatives. Leave everything that's familiar to you. And I want you to go to a land that I will show you. He said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Through you, every family on earth will be blessed. And so Abraham believed. And he loaded up his possessions, his wife, Sarah, and nephew, Lot, and all of Lot's possessions. And they began a journey of faith in God. And their journey, although ordained by God, was not without difficulties. And it was not without human error along the way. Their first stop was in Canaan. And when they arrived in Canaan, God said, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. And Abraham built an altar there to the Lord. And they moved on to Bethel. And again, he built an altar and worshiped. And they continued on. And as they journeyed, they encountered severe famine and had to travel on to Egypt to stay. And as they arrived in Egypt, Abraham was afraid that the Egyptian men would see Sarah's rare beauty and so, and, and kill him in order to take her. I don't know why he didn't just put a hood over her head or something. But he said, Sarah, tell everyone you're my sister. And so she did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard about Sarah's rare beauty. And he sent for her. Because he thought she was Abraham's sister. Will you go down there and get my drink, please? Um, and the Lord struck Pharaoh and his household with plagues because of Sarah. And Pharaoh was angry at Abraham. And he said, why have you done this to me? And then he said, here's your wife. Get out of town. And just to note... Thank you. Just to note, just like some of us, they didn't learn the first time. And they repeated this same scenario later on in their journey with basically the same consequences. At one point, there was quarreling between Abraham and Lot's herdsmen about pasture land. They had so many sheep and cattle, there wasn't enough room for both of them. They had to separate and go different ways. And so now Abraham and Sarah are separated from all of their family. Sometime after the separation, there were four kings that captured Lot and his possessions, and Abraham was told about it. And so he gathered up his 318 trained men, and he went and pursued and uh, conquered the four kings, and he brought back Lot and all his possessions back to where they were supposed to be. Throughout the journey, God reminded Abraham that he was going to give all the land he could see to his descendants But there were no descendants. And God would say, I'm going to give you as many descendants as the dust of the earth. If anyone could count the dust, they could count your descendants. But there were no descendants. After 10 years on this journey of faith in God, at the age of 85, and still no descendants, Abraham came up with plan B, which is what we do sometimes. We help God out. He said to God, you have given me no children and so Eliezer of Damascus, my chief servant, will inherit my household. Hmm. And God immediately said, no, he will not. Your own son will be your heir. And he took Abraham outside and he said, look up at the sky. Count the stars if you're able. That's how many descendants you are going to have. Sarah was getting impatient as well. And she decided that desperate times call for desperate measures. And she came up with plan C. She said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. So why don't you take my servant Hagar as your wife and I will build a family through her. Now now knowing the way that the female heart and mind work I will never understand why this seemed like a good idea to Sarah nor to Abraham. I mean the culture was different back then but the human nature was not. And so surprise surprise when Hagar became with child she started treating Sarah with disrespect. After all, she was carrying Abraham's child and Sarah had not been able to do that. Hmm. So Sarah wasn't happy and she went to Abraham and she said, this is all your fault. Mm -hmm. Sarah treated Hagar so badly that she ran away. But God saw Hagar and told her, go back and place yourself under Sarah's authority. And she did. She gave birth to a son and named him Ishmael. Thirteen years later, Abraham was 99 and Sarah was 89 and there were still no descendants. But God appeared to Abraham and he said, Abraham, my promise is still with you. You will become the father of many nations. I will bless Sarah and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings will come from her. And immediately, Abraham bowed his face to the ground. But as he bowed, he also laughed to himself as he thought, Can a son be born to a hundred-year-old man? And can Sarah, who is 90, really have a child? What a picture of the spirit and the flesh all at the same time. The spirit man heard what God said, and he bowed down in obedience and in worship. While the flesh is saying, is this even possible? And then the flesh, or Abraham, said, well, God, why not let Ishmael be my heir? And God said, no, your wife will have a son. You will name him Isaac. I will make an everlasting covenant promise to him and his descendants. Sarah will give birth next year. Hmm. On another day, Sarah was in the tent, and the Lord was talking to Abraham again. And the Lord said, I promise you, I will come back next year at this very time, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was in the tent like any of us would be. She was listening to the conversation. And when she heard God say that, she laughed, and she said, I will be 99 years old and my husband he's the same as dead how could i possibly have a child and god said why did sarah laugh and say can i really have a child now that i'm old is there anything too hard for god and then he said i will come back next year and sarah will have a son and sarah was afraid and she said oh, no, I didn't laugh. But God said, yes, you did laugh. And in exactly one year at the age of 99, can you just imagine? Sarah gave birth to a son and Abraham named him Isaac. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Who would have predicted to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, and yet I have given him a son in his old age? I just imagine Sarah holding that long-awaited baby boy and dancing, if she could still dance at 99, I don't know, around the tent, laughing, But this time, it wasn't laughter of doubt and skepticism. Instead, it was laughter of pure joy because finally, the promised son, the heir was born. Finally, there was a descendant, a beginning to the promise. But their journey of faith was not over. One day, God said, Abraham, take Isaac to a place I will show you. And sacrifice him as a burnt offering. And as hard as that had to have been. Abraham obeyed. Now I couldn't find it in scripture. But I just have to wonder if Sarah knew about that plan. Because I cannot imagine a mother's heart having to hear such a thing. But Abraham obeyed. And when he saw the place that God had told him about in the distance, he told his servants, he said, you wait here, you wait here, and we will go worship, and we will come back. And I don't know if he said that in faith or if he just didn't want to arouse suspicion, but he said, we, both times, on the way to where they were going, Isaac said, Father, where is the sacrifice And Abraham said, God himself will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Abraham tied Isaac to the altar. He picked up a knife and raised his hand to sacrifice his son. And the messenger of the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him because now I know that you fear God because you did not refuse to give me even your only son. And Abraham looked around and he saw a ram caught in the bushes and he offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son and he named that place God Will Provide. Mm. Abraham and Sarah journeyed for 25 years before they ever saw the beginning of what God promised them. During the 25 years, God spoke to them eight times, unless I missed something. And if you average that out, it's only about one time every three years. Abraham and Sarah kept their faith in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the famine, the separation from family, in spite of the battles, in spite of waiting 25 years before seeing the beginning of the promise and then being asked to sacrifice that very promise. Abraham and Sarah kept their faith throughout the journey. And God was faithful to Abraham and Sarah In spite of plans B, C, and D, in spite of the questioning and the laughing, in spite of their humanities, he saw their faithfulness and he did exactly what he said he would do. I believe that God wants us to know today that he still does impossible things, he still does miracles, signs, and wonders. And he does impossible things for regular, flawed people. Sometimes the journey between hearing from God or asking God for something and receiving can be difficult. Sometimes it takes longer than we want it to. We live in a society where we just want everything just like this. We may experience famine, whether natural or spiritual. We may make human errors or get tired of waiting and come up with plan B, C, and D along the way. We may have to fight battles. And we may not hear from God as often as we think we need to. But we have to do like Abraham and bow before God and worship and surrender to his will, even while our flesh questions, is this really possible We have to remain steadfast in our faith, even if we're asked to sacrifice the promise. There are times when we hear from God and we obey and we believe and we make the journey and we endure hardness as a good soldier, but we do not receive. And in those times, we don't understand. But it's in those times that we must continue to obey. We must continue to believe. We must continue to make the journey. We must continue to hope. Because if we lose hope, we become hopeless And hopelessness is a far worse place to be than not understanding. Hebrews 11 says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. It was by faith that Abel offered a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. And through his faith, Abel received God's approval. And though he is long gone, his life still speaks today. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never even happened before. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land that God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child though she was barren and too old. And she believed that God would keep his promise, and a whole nation came from them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. And they agreed they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently, the people of Israel will leave Egypt. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God, ...given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's commands. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground, but when the Egyptians followed, they were all drowned. It was by faith... That the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And how much more do I need to say? I don't even have time to tell you the stories of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. But by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice, and they received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, and some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, Hiding in caves and holes in the ground. But all these, all of these, earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. This year, in our our church family it seems that we have taken some hits because people who heard from God and believed and obeyed, people who should have been healed did not receive. But I say to you today, if there were a continuing manuscript of Hebrews chapter 11 still being written today, it would say, By faith, Jeff Slusher walked through a battle with cancer. By faith, he heard from God and believed that he would be healed. By faith, he worshipped through pain. By faith, he exhausted himself by witnessing to people about Jesus while on his sickbed. By faith, he led a soul to Jesus on FaceTime. And by faith, he earned a good reputation, yet did not receive all that God had promised. The manuscript would also say, by faith, Misty Duncan began a journey of faith in God. For about six years, she completely and wholly believed that God would heal the cancer that had invaded her body. By faith, she declared Jesus and his faithfulness to every doctor, every nurse, every cancer patient, every person that she came in contact with. By faith. On the day that she was put on hospice... She was talking about her journey and how long it had been and how hard and how tired she was. And she said, I I believe I'm going to be healed, but, but where is the healing? Where is it? But then she said, But I look back and I can't see one time that God was not faithful. He has always been faithful. By faith, Misty Duncan led her family in believing that she would be healed, but also agreeing to trust God even if. By faith, she declared a vision that God had given her for the little city of Naylor. And she said, God has positioned four pillars around Naylor, the pillars were Misty herself, Chastity Sullivan, Pops Tharps, and Tiffany Cunningham. And she said, Naylor is going to be saved by our testimonies of healing and deliverance. Yes. And she said, the ground or the foundation of Naylor is going to be turned upside down, and then it will spread to the areas around it. Did Misty receive her healing like she believed she would? She did not. Did she see the vision come to pass? She did not. But the declarations that she made over that little city of Naylor and the prayer she prayed are still working. And it may be that her children, her grandchildren, it may be that Chastity and Tiffany will be the ones that get to see it come to pass, but I believe it will come to pass. Yes. Yes. The seeds of life and hope that she planted in every doctor, nurse, patient, and everyone she came in contact with, those seeds are still there, and I believe they will produce fruit, and we will never know the full extent But God will. Like Abel, Jeff Slusher and Misty Duncan are gone. But their lives are still speaking today. Abraham did not live long enough to see his descendants number as many of the sands of the sea, but it did come to pass. And I believe if Jeff Slusher or Misty Duncan could talk to us today, I'm confident they would say something like Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. You are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. So strip off every weight that slows you down, especially sin that trips you up. Run with endurance the race that God set before you and never give up. You can do this by keeping your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects your faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is sitting in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people on your behalf. And then you won't become weary and give up. I think if we could ask Jeff Slusher or Misty Duncan, was it worth it? I just think they would both say, oh, oh, you can't even begin to imagine. Yes, it is worth it. Keep your faith. Don't lose hope. Don't ever give up. It is worth it. God still does impossible things for regular people. But even when he doesn't, what awaits us beyond here is the promise of a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God, and it will be worth it. I believe that God wants to do some impossible things today. I believe he's calling some of you to begin your journey of faith in God. I believe he wants to restore hope in some of you. Maybe, maybe your promise, maybe you didn't receive your promise or maybe the journey has been too long and you've lost hope because of weariness. I believe he wants to encourage some of you to keep holding on to the promise even though it seems like it's never going to come. I believe that some of you probably have impossible situations in your life that you need God to intervene. And I'm going to ask the the people who, uh, including Brooks, the people who uh, shared their stories, I would ask for them to come up here. And then um, some of the people who stood and said that God had done something impossible, if you all will just come up here. Ladies, where are you? I don't call your name. If you need God to do something impossible for you, I want you to stand. Okay, now if you will take one more step and you will step forward and come up here and let these people pray with you. I believe God is going to be faithful to you and I bless you in the name of Jesus.